December 5th, 2021. Oakville Elementary School principal Jessica Swift would invite her child's best friend over for a sleepover. Little did she know this sweet six-year-old would share a story that would chill her to her core and start a snowball effect which would result in the discovery of a missing five-year-old girl. Neighbours who would report not seeing this child in some time, with no official sighting of Oakley in almost a year. Despite her parents being arrested for crimes against her siblings, we still don't have any answers as to what happened to this smiley, happy, adorable little girl. This is Oakley's story. And trying to shine some light on this case, it was one year ago today when sheriff's deputies went and did a welfare check for uh, Oakley and found she was missing. Since then, her biological parents have not cooperated with investigators, making the search for her even more challenging. Some troubling details from detectives during interviews with the couple's other children. Oakley's six-year-old sister saying her mother told her not to talk about Oakley and that, quote, she had gone out into the woods and had been eaten by wolves. Now, Oakley's former foster mother says she's still looking for answers. Oakley Lynn Carlson was born December 6, 2016 to parents Jordan Bowers and Andrew Carlson. Oakley would be the youngest of three children for the couple. They already had a four-year-old boy and a one-year-old girl at the time Oakley was born. Unfortunately, these kids were born into a toxic and abusive situation. Bowers and Carlson had a methamphetamine addiction, and there was a number of reports of violent abuse towards each other. Bowers was unemployed. Carlson did work for a time as an Aberdeen police officer until 2017, when he was decommissioned for perpetrating untrue statements. There is no further information available on this, though. Department of Child and Family Services, or DCFS as we'll call them throughout this episode. Despite how unhealthy that environment may have been, everything Oakley ever knew was uprooted when on September 22, 2017, when Oakley was only eight months old, she was placed into foster care with Jamie Joe and Eric Hiles, separated from her siblings. It is not clear if they too were removed from Bowers and Carlson's care. I would assume yes, because it was due to the drug use between the couple, but it's not reported on. And this would be Oakley's life for the next two years. Oakley was in amazing hands with the Hiles, and they quickly fell in love with this sweet little girl. They considered her their baby, and they loved her with all their heart, even moving forward with plans to adopt Oakley. Looking at their website, there are videos and photos of Oakley being doted on and loved and cared for. And in return, Oakley was nothing but smiles and pure joy. In these videos, her happiness is radiating out of the screen. Jamie, Joe and Eric would later describe Oakley as always having a smile on her face. She loved to make people laugh. So when she knew how to make you laugh, she would always remember that and try to do it again. Oakley loved to dance. The Holes regularly holding dance parties in their house so Oakley could show off her dance moves. She loved bedtime stories demanding upwards of four or five bedtime stories every night. It was not unusual for Jamie Jo to wake little Oakley in the morning to find her sleeping with a stack of books, her favourite book being I've Loved You Since Forever. Oakley loved to show you that she loved you. She always made sure to tell you that she loved you. She loved to hug, snuggle and have any physical contact. Jamie Jo said that when they sat on the couch together, she would move her little foot to touch Jamie Jo's, 
just because she wanted to have that contact. Out of all of this, Jamie, Joe and Eric, you allowed Oakley an amazing few years with nothing but love and support. I'm actually lost for words what you gave Oakley in that short time you had her. Even though it wasn't a short time for Oakley, it was very much likely this was her whole life, her whole world. You are amazing people. Despite what you may think now, you did not fail Oakley. You gave her hope and promise and a chance. You were her only stability in her world, and this was ripped away from you, from her, outside of your control. And there was nothing more you could do, inside the law anyway. There was nothing you could do to save Oakley from what would happen. Now, for reasons that aren't explained, DCFS would start the process to return Oakley to her biological parents in March of 2019. Maybe they had been through a drug treatment program and returned some negative results. I don't know. I can't find anything in regards to this. This is despite the violent physical abuse between Bowers and Carlson continuing. First came the supervised visits, and Jamie, Joe and Eric did voice their concerns to DCFS about this. On one such occasion was March 9th, 2019. Oakley came home from a supervised visit with her biological parents. During this two-hour visit, her diaper had not been changed, and she also had red marks and scratches on her cheeks that weren't there before. The visit supervisor, Brenda, told Jamie Jo she did not know where the marks came from. Despite Jamie Jo and Eric's concern, Oakley would be returned to her biological parents one week short of her third birthday. It appears if the other children weren't in their care, they would also be returned around this time, because Carlson and Bowers would have another child born at this time, and court records show a total of four children in their care in December of 2021. The family living on a large 300-acre property on a dead-end road in Oakville, Washington. Now, Oakville has a very small town feel, with less than a 1,000 residents, And anyone who grew up in a small town knows that people talk. Your business is everyone's business. And rumours in this small town was that Bowers and Carlson were making and dealing in methamphetamines. And this story does have some weight to it with what we will learn. And the actual fact was the couple did have a meth addiction. But all of these rumours did make their way back to Jamie, Joe and Eric Hiles. What could have happened to her? Was it the fire? Was it something else? The foster parents say they called DCYF not just last month, but in January of 2021 after becoming suspicious after getting some news about Oakley. I am so disappointed and what a failure from the state of Washington. What a failure for those kids. Jamie, Joe and Eric's concerns for Oakley did not decrease when she left their care. Quote, We told them several times this wasn't a safe decision. We begged them, please don't let her go back. Please don't let her go back. I told them in my last letter it was going to be on their shoulders if something happened to her. Unquote. On at least three occasions, Jamie Jo asked for a welfare check to be done on Oakley through the DCFS. She was worried about Oakley and couldn't shake something was wrong. The department have not made any statements regarding if these checks were carried out or what, if any, investigation results there were, or even why Oakley was given back to them in the first place, they cited privacy laws. Jamie Jo's last communication with DCFS was late March 2021, when they called her asking if she'd seen Oakley or her sister. Jamie Jo told them she had not since she was not involved with the family. 
DCFS did not tell her why they were calling. I just want to enforce here that reunification is always the goal when the situation is suitable. This was briefly covered in the Evelise Cabrera story, where the family were working towards that goal. I'm a massive supporter of this when the parent or parents are putting in the legwork to make the environment suitable and safe for the little one. Though I feel like I'm damned either way in these situations with my beliefs. But I feel in this situation with Oakley, this wasn't a gradual return, which when it comes to a toddler, it is necessary. Oakley's whole world before this was her foster parents. She wouldn't remember a time when she wasn't living with the Hiles. And then to take her from this when she is still so young, I could only imagine Oakley would have been terrified. Add on to that the concerns of the Hiles, the genuine concerns that weren't addressed. Here is where I have a problem with this situation. I just want to interrupt this episode real quick to talk about America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. I'm sure we all had our New Year's resolutions, and I know mine was to take my health and fitness to the next level. If you follow me on social media, you will know that was a focus for me in the second half of last year, and I want to step it up this year even further. HelloFresh is here to help take the stress over what to cook, and better than that, their meals are delicious. With over 35 weekly recipes, they have the options you're looking for to help you achieve your goals. Choose calorie smart or carb smart recipes, and even customize select meals by swapping proteins or sides, upgrading your proteins or adding protein to a veggie dish. And you know the food you are getting is fresh, straight from the farm to your table in less than seven days. Something that is really important to me that the food I am eating is packed with nutrients and is fueling my body with what it needs for those long gym sessions. What I love about HelloFresh is it really encourages family involvement. The recipes are easy to read and follow, and even my seven-year-old can get in there and help me make these delicious, amazing meals. And in no time at all, you can have your favourite meals on the table in about 30 minutes. My favourites this month would have to be the red pesto and veggie risotto, and the Thai red curry salmon. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Stolen21 and use code STOLEN21 for 21 free meals plus free shipping. That's 21 free meals plus free shipping when you use the code STOLEN21 at checkout at HelloFresh.com slash Stolen21. December 25th, 2020. Christmas Day for the Carlson family was spent with Oakley's paternal grandparents. Fred and Kate Carlson. Kate would later tell police that Oakley, quote, didn't look well, unquote, that she had dark circles under her eyes, pale skin, and had scratches or sores on her face. She took photos of this because she is obviously concerned under the guise of taking Christmas photos for the memories. Kate would go on to show a friend of hers these photos, and this all got back to Jamie Jo. Again, small-town gossip. These stories do spread fast. And it was actually Jamie Jo who contacted Child Protective Services about Oakley. Now, it's not clear if CPS investigated these concerns, but it definitely got back to Bowers and Carlson that Kate had at least been influential in this report being made by Jamie Jo. And they cut off all contact with Fred and Kate. They never saw Oakley after this and never spoke to Carlson or Bowers after this point. And this will become important later in the story. 
It would be only about six weeks after this that the last official sighting of Oakley by anyone outside of Bowers in Carlson, February 10th, 2021. I am not sure of the details of this sighting, only it was someone known to the family. But no one would see Oakley for the remainder of 2021. What happens after this is purely according to Bowers and Carlson, who, I think for obvious reasons, they aren't the most reliable sources. There is no mention of Oakley anywhere until November 6, 2021, ten months after she was last seen. A phone call would come in to 911 at around 5pm. It is Andrew Carlson and he's reporting a fire. But he was calling not because he wanted the fire department's assistance, no. The fire was already taken care of by Carlson earlier, maybe a day earlier, maybe a week earlier, that is never revealed. But he still felt like he should report the incident. He claimed the fire started when his daughter Oakley used a cigarette lighter and it caught the couch on fire. Carlson would later claim he didn't call the fire department at the time of the fire because he couldn't find his phone, which is convenient if there was something to hide. Bowers would also tell friends Oakley started the fire and it took Carlson four hours to put it out. The family were moved temporarily to a Turnwater hotel while the repairs were being done to the home. Looking at photos of the home after this fire, the house definitely was not in livable condition. But I have to say, it's very curious why the fire department or police or anyone didn't go check on the family after this 911 call anyway. There would have had to been some duty of care by these agencies to check on this young family after reporting a fire that was started by a four-year-old and bad enough to take four hours to extinguish and then require the family to relocate. Maybe if they did, they would have discovered this little girl who allegedly started the fire was nowhere to be seen. Maybe Oakley's disappearance would have been discovered earlier and more evidence to her whereabouts could have been found. But no one did and no one would know Oakley was missing for another month. This was after a November 2021 house fire at the home where Oakley lived with her biological parents, Jordan Bowers and Andrew Carlson, and her three siblings in Oakville, Washington. It was then that Oakville school principal Jessica Swift noticed something was amiss. Jordan had let us know that there was a fire, and so I'd gone out to check on them and offer support and drop off supplies from the school right after their fire. And I saw all the other kids running around and playing, and I didn't see Oakley. And I thought it was a little odd, and I asked where she was, and they told me that she was in her room in timeout. On a play date with my daughter, with Oakley's sister, I asked questions about Oakley. It came out over the course of those questions that Oakley wasn't living with them anymore. I can't describe the feeling I had in that moment sitting on that couch next to that little girl when she said that. Now, Oakley's oldest sister, who was six years old, was attending Oakville Elementary School and had made a best friend. Another little girl who happened to be the daughter of the school principal, Jessica Swift. Jessica had heard about the fire and wanted to help the family out. On November 10th, 2021, she went to the hotel the family was staying at with a care package some food and toiletries and kids' clothes to help them out. She would stay while the girls played for about 45 minutes. Jessica asked where Oakley was during this visit, but was told Oakley was having a timeout in another room. Jessica did return to the hotel on November 24, 2021, so two weeks later, 
Again, she would see all the children except for Oakley. She didn't question it this time, but then again, she was only there very briefly, about five minutes. December 4th, 2021. Oakley's sister went to Jessica's home for a sleepover. Jessica could not shake the concern of not seeing Oakley during any of the visits with the family. She had heard the town gossip that it was Oakley that started the fire, and she wanted to know the little girl was doing okay. She asked the sibling about Oakley, and the little girl started crying, saying she wasn't supposed to talk about it, but that Oakley had supposedly run off into the woods and was eaten by wolves. She said, quote, Oakley is no more, unquote. Seeing the distress from the six-year-old, Jessica did not want to press her any further, and she changed the subject. Now, we all know kids this age make up stories. I swear, even a third of what my children said at that age was true, life would have been very interesting. But the distress and the fear that would have been radiating from that child, the fact that she hadn't seen any sign of Oakley in that month of visits, the fact that no one had seen Oakley in some time, that would have been enough for me to really want to question things. Look, I don't care. There'd be no way I'd be handing that six-year-old child back to Bowers and Carlson without answers, without seeing Oakley, or seeing some kind of proof that she was safe. What are they going to do? Call the police? Perfect. At least then I would have some answers. Maybe it's just me, but it's not normal for a young child to be this emotionally affected by a fictional story. There was obviously some truth to it. And as an adult, even if it's not our child, we have that responsibility to not put them in harm's way. But the following morning, Jessica could not let it go and asked Oakley's sister again about her. This time, the little girl had a completely different story. This time, she said Oakley had gone back to live with her foster family. This didn't add up to Jessica because it was completely different to what Carlson and Bowers told her. They never mentioned Oakley didn't live with them anymore. And if that was the case... What was with the horrific story about wolves the night before? And if Oakley had simply returned to her foster family, why couldn't her sister talk about it? Based on these concerns, Jessica would contact the Grays Harbour County Sheriff's Office requesting a welfare check. This welfare check would happen on December 6, 2021. And of course, Oakley was not there. Carlson would claim that Oakley was with his parents, Fred and Kate Carlson, and not only was she with his parents, but she had been for the past seven days. But he couldn't help the police contact them, because he didn't know his father's phone number, and he forgot where they lived. Father of the year here. Now, obviously, the police didn't take this answer, and they really didn't need Carlson to track down Fred and Kate. The police went to their home to check on the four-year-old. And this is when the truth starts to reveal itself. They didn't have Oakley. They hadn't seen Oakley. In fact, they hadn't seen or spoken to Oakley or her parents since December 2020. Back at that infamous Christmas party a whole year earlier. When police returned to the hotel and again spoke to Carlson to tell them, in fact, Oakley wasn't where you said she was... He didn't seem surprised, more indifferent. It was like he already knew what the police were telling him. But Bowers, Bowers would react with anger, and she would scream at them that they weren't answering any further questions before walking away. 
Now, unfortunately, the police really couldn't charge them with anything and they left. Strangely, right after the police left the hotel, Carlson called 911 to report his daughter missing. Processed the house, interviewed the children that were there at the house, and it had been some time since they had been seen Oakley. Now they're young children and they can't, you know, answer you directly, but it, it led us to believe that Oakley wasn't even there at the time of the fire, and it had been months prior to that that any of the children had even seen her. This smells of obstruction of justice, doesn't it? Yes. We did not notice any bedroom set up for Oakley downstairs where everybody else had bedrooms set up. On top of that, Schrader said they saw no clothing belonging to Oakley. The family had moved to a hotel in nearby Tumwater, but were back and forth to the house, raising another red flag. Their vehicle that they had left the Tumwater Hotel with and then traveled back down to Oakville had one car seat in it. And there was a two-year-old sibling as well as a six-year-old sibling of Oakley that was would have been in the car at that time. This all was reasonable grounds for a warrant to search the family's home. The fire department also in attendance to finally do an investigation into the month-ago fire. In the home, there were enough toys and clothing and books for three children. All of Oakley's belongings were missing. This wasn't what concerned the police the most, though. That would be the blood found on the blinds and the front door, as well as the bloody handprint on the wall in the downstairs hallway. Samples were taken for forensic testing, but the results of this, if the blood belonged to Oakley, has never been made public. The fire investigators would confirm there definitely was a fire in the home. As I mentioned, there are photos out there of the home, and that is obvious even to me. But they believed the fire actually started from a microwave on the kitchen counter and not the couch. This gave credence to the small town rumours that Carlson and Bowers were cooking meth. This will again be further supported later on, but we will get to that. Now, of course, police head back to question the parents, and they state now they don't know where Oakley is and couldn't even provide a suggestion where she could be. Carlson would even say eerily cryptic statements, quote, to the effect of Oakley being dead or not coming back for a reunion, unquote. At this point, though, Carlson and Bowers completely shut down and they refused to answer any other questions. They were arrested for obstructing an investigation and first-degree manslaughter. Things moved very quickly after this, police wasting no time in getting this search and investigation underway said Grays Harbour County Undersheriff Brad Johansson, quote, We're really concerned for her safety and well-being, and we don't know where she is at this point, unquote. December 8, 2021. Grays Harbour Sheriff's Office detectives, Washington State Patrol troopers and the FBI were seen searching the areas surrounding the family's property, and as I said earlier, this was a massive piece of land and no easy feat. The next day, it was officially announced that Bowers and Carlson were facing charges, but it wasn't what everyone thought. After they were arrested, obviously the other three children were removed from their care, and the nine-year-old boy and six-year-old girl were interviewed with a dependent child lawyer present. Oakley's sister would again relay the same story about Oakley being with her foster family, which police knew wasn't the case. However, the nine-year-old boy, being at an age where he is more aware of what's going on around him, what he had to say left the very real possibility that Oakley may not be alive anymore. 
The oldest child told police that Bowers and Carlson would often lock Oakley up in the closet and not let her out for almost the entire day. He said he would worry that she was not getting enough food and water, that Bowers would often beat Oakley with a belt over the smallest indiscretion. And on the day of the fire, he said that everyone got out of their house okay. Everyone except Oakley. Because of the rumours and the previous drug history of Bowers and Carlson, the children would be drug tested. Unfortunately, a hair follicle test would show extremely high levels of methamphetamines in both the six-year-old and two-year-old. The two-year-old showed higher levels, so I have seen it mentioned that this may be because this poor child was born with meth in their system, and Bowers and Carlson continued to give this child meth to prevent withdrawal. And the six-year-old then was exposed to the drug from contact with her sibling and parents and because it was being cooked in the home. She basically could not escape it. Although I would think if that was the case, the nine-year-old would have also tested positive. So I am hesitant to presume the six-year-old also ingested the drug at some stage, not long before being removed from her parents. Parents Jordan Bowers and Andrew Carlson now face a charge of abandonment of a child. Detectives learned the parents failed to give prescribed medication to Oakley's sister, who is only six years old, putting her in danger of physical impairment and possibly even death. This was after the couple was initially arrested for investigation of manslaughter. The undersheriff says detectives are actively pursuing charges related to Oakley's disappearance, which they believe is criminal in nature. Honestly, so much happens in such a short time period, because December 9th, 2021, police announced they have dropped the manslaughter charge. They simply did not have enough evidence at this stage to proceed with the charge, although obviously they could still face manslaughter or murder if Oakley is ever found. But despite this, police announce a new charge for abandonment of a dependent person in the second degree. This is a Class C felony facing five years in prison and a $10,000 fine. This charge would be because investigators discovered evidence that Bowers and Carlson had not been providing medication prescribed to their other daughter for 15 months, which I'm thinking suggests the six-year-old must have been removed from Bowers and Carlson for a period of time. How long, it's not clear. But when she was returned to their custody on December 4th, 2019, it was with the explicit instructions they needed to give her her medication. And at first they did, until August 2020 when they didn't. Their excuse was they could no longer afford to buy it because of insurance problems. Now this medication is necessary for the six-year-old's health and going without it puts her at risk of physical impairment and could eventually result in her death. I dug and I could not find clarification of what condition this little girl had. I did see comments that she was blind or had a vision impairment. I'm going to speculate it was related to that, but I don't know for certain. Where is Oakley? Where is Oakley? Where is Oakley? That haunting question is keeping an entire town on edge. Where is Oakley? They want their unified voices. Where is to pierce through the walls of this Grays Harbor County Jail and from the sounds of it. People inside this jail can hear them. I don't want Jordan and Andrew to think that we have for one second forgotten about Oakley. Where is Oakley? 
Oakley's foster parents, Jamie Joe and Eric Hiles, are directly yelling at Oakley's biological parents who remain behind bars. Come clean, Jordan! Tell us where she is! Everyone here believes the couple knows what happened to their daughter, but are not confessing. The truth always comes out sooner or later. You know, there's only there's only so much pressure that they're gonna be able to take. The rage is not only directed at Jordan Bowers and Andrew Carlson, but also the Department of Children, Youth and Families. The failure of them to hear our concerns. Andrew Carlson and Jordan Bowers pled not guilty to the charges. And because of the nature of the crimes, they were to be tried together. Now, because none of these charges were related to Oakley, there were protests in front of the jail they were both being held at, and eventually in front of the court. Everyone wanted answers from Carlson and Bowers, and they, very fairly, wanted someone to be held accountable for this little girl's disappearance. Jordan Bowers would ultimately take an Alford plea for the controlled substance charge. This allowed her to take advantage of a plea deal without ever admitting guilt. She would be sentenced to 20 months in prison. Carlson would receive a lesser sentence of 12 months in prison. This is mainly because Carlson did not have a previous criminal record, including multiple charges of theft, drug-related instances and identity theft. Due to time served, Carlson would be released on August 3, 2022. As part of his release, he was not allowed to consume controlled substances, be subject to random drug testings and undertake a drug treatment program. Despite him missing his review hearing on September 12, 2022, and then a warrant being issued for his arrest, Carlson's lawyer did not even know where he was. He would eventually front court on October 3rd for his rearrangement. He was found to be in compliance with his court order. To date, Carlson and Bowers are still refusing to cooperate with the investigation into what happened to Oakley. I think it's clear now that after a year with no sign of her, that Oakley is no longer alive and most likely died around the time of the fire, in my opinion. Whether she died as a result of the fire or the fire was a cover-up for what happened to her, that remains to be seen. But without Carlson or Bowers talking, investigators don't have much more to go off. I feel like this theme of children seemingly vanishing into thin air and no one seeing them for a period of time except their caregivers, I feel like I'm repeating myself far too often with these stories. We need someone to be held accountable here. We need Oakley to be found and her real parents, Jamie, Joe and Eric, to get a chance to truly say goodbye to a child they were happy with and wanting to care for for the rest of their lives. Oakley was truly let down by her parents and by Child Protective Services. I want to finish this episode with a letter Jamie Jo wrote for Oakley after her disappearance. I think this sums up this little girl perfectly and shows just how happy and loved she was with her foster parents. Dear Oakley Lynn, my noodle girl, When I lay in bed at night, I can't believe you used to lay in our bed with your feet on my back and it would bother me. I would do anything to have you put your clammy feet on my back now. I can't thank you enough for all the memories you gave Daddy and I, through the bad and the good. When you came to us as a little baby, I didn't even know how to change a diaper or install a car seat. 
Through you, we learned so many things that I didn't know I would have to learn. You had ear infection after ear infection, and I was so scared for you to be sick. I'll never forget the time you had to get another shot. Those were so painful, and you knew as soon as the nurse was laying you down that you were going to get another shot in the leg. You looked at me as I held your hand, and the look you gave me said, Please don't do this again. And afterwards, a nurse walked in with a popsicle, and I didn't know if it was for me or you because we were both so upset. I know that I didn't give birth to you, but I wish I did. You were everything I've ever dreamt of having in a child. Daddy and I wished and waited so long for a baby. And even though you came to us in an unconventional way, I loved you like you were my own biological child. I loved when strangers would tell us that we had the same smile because it meant that people thought I could have even an ounce of your beauty. I will never forgive myself for not protecting you more when you went back to your biological parents. I thought I was doing everything by calling CPS and making reports to DCFS. But I didn't save you, and for that I am so sorry. If I could mail you this letter, I'd want you to know that you're making waves and that so many people are taking action. People in our little town, our state and around the world know who you are and are thinking of you, praying for you, and doing everything in their power to make sure you're found and that this doesn't happen again. I knew that you would be influential someday. I just wish it wasn't breaking our hearts in the process. Thank you for loving us, and I promise you that we will do everything we can to bring you justice and protect your siblings. Lovingly, your mama. At the time of her disappearance, Oakley Carlson was five years old. Question mark. She may have actually been four years old, given the length of time since her last confirmed sighting. According to the Charlie Project, Oakley was three foot and fifty pounds with brown hair and brown eyes. If Oakley was still alive today, she would now be six years old. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Oakley Carlson, please contact Grays Harbour Sheriff's Office on 360-533-8765. If you have your own thoughts and theories on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook, like the page so you don't miss an episode, and join the discussion group to talk about your thoughts and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, or on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice, and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Ali. Hosting and production was also by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Mayu.